This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Woke is is an existential threat to our society. I mean, it's an attack on truth. It's a form of cultural Marxism. You can't have a vibrant free society if every institution is dominated by woke ideology. DeSantis is milking this thing and and hopes to milk it all the way to the White House. What do you make of it? Ron DeSantis waving his finger saying, don't you understand that this is Marxist ideology? There's no such thing as cultural Marxism. It's baloney. Woke ideology, does it irritate and annoy the hell out of me? Yeah, obviously it does. I hate this idea of having to diaper and pamper everybody just because I'm about to say something. I think the longer that it goes and the, and the more that Disney prevails, Disney's winning. Disney's bigger than DeSantis. Disney owns the hearts and minds of people around the world. Yes. Ron DeSantis doesn't. Ron DeSantis is pissing away hundreds of millions of tax dollars. They're suing his government. And then, of course, there are the thousands of jobs, which ends up in hundreds of millions of lost opportunity dollars for the state of Florida. Capitalism can move capital with a keystroke. That's Charles Adler yesterday on Monday's Real Talk. That is, we welcome you to this Tuesday edition. That's a reminder that you can follow Real Talk RJ on Instagram, on TikTok, of course, on Twitter, where you can pick up some of the highlights from each of our shows. Now, Adler's appearance on the show and his comments on Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and cultural Marxism and wokeness and, and all the rest prompted an email from the SCO. And the SCO writes in all the time to talk at ryanjesperson.com and and never complains that the emails aren't often read because, well, the SCO writes their emails with a flamethrower, with the occasional hand grenade lobbed in. And this one jumped out at me. I thought that this was worthwhile. You know, this isn't the type of show. This isn't the type of bullshit exercise that you download on your podcast app or watch on YouTube where they pat themselves on the back all the time and only read the comments that roll out, roll out praise on how great the content is every once in a while. We got to make sure there's that dissenting voice. The SCO says, surprise, surprise. Cultural Marxism has been deemed a conspiracy theory by the cultural Marxists. Says it's all in good fun, pal. Carry on. Besides, that's where the cash is these days. Another little shot there. It says, not sure why I fall for you and the maverick of Maudlin's shenanigans, but alas, I do. That from the SCO. Johnny, who takes issue with the fact that I call Charles the titan of talk. So he's come up with the maverick of Maudlin. Okay. And we can count on an email from the SCO every time that Adler appears on the show. So The SCO. The SCO. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, too, maybe it's the SCO, but I think the SCO is what they're going for. You can clarify in your next email, and, of course, you can let us know what you think of, of that take or anything else you hear on the show by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. David Johnston's in front of a parliamentary committee today. The, the conservatives, the Bloc Québécois, led by the NDP, came together on a vote in parliament that essentially said, this guy, the former governor general, needs to step down as Canada's special rapporteur on foreign interference. He's the one that's been tasked by the prime minister to look into whether or not there was foreign interference interfering with Canadian democracy, in particular in the last election. But, of course, the opposition isn't thrilled that he's holding the role. They're calling him the prime minister's longtime pal, his 
Ski Buddy. Uh, the guy, David Johnston, who's spent some time involved with the Trudeau Foundation, they say, well, it's, it's not a great look. It's not a great look for him <clears throat> to be tapped on the shoulder by the prime minister whose reputation, whose political career could maintain, I'm not going to say rise or fall, but could maintain or fall based on the findings of this. Pierre Polyev is promising a public inquiry, in his words, when he's prime minister. Some are saying that Johnson's got to step down down for the, for, for, the, for the good of the process. It's just they're saying not a good look, most especially now that there's this growing opposition to his involvement and the vote in parliament, the will of parliament, I mean, you keep in mind what happens when, when a government starts losing votes in Parliament. They lose the confidence of the House. That's what triggers an election. I mean, how serious does this need to get? But there's a lot of self-interest here, too. And when we talk to Brian Lilly, he's a conservative political columnist for the Toronto Star. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes. I want to ask him about that. Some conservatives including the party's current leader, Pierre Polyev, seem to have flip-flopped on, on their interpretation of Dr. Johnson's credibility. So what's up with that? I think we can all agree it's become a problem, his involvement here. I mean, Johnson's hired crisis comms firm Navigator to do some work for him on this file, on the taxpayer dime. I mean, that's kind of how it works. You remember the talk we had on this show about six months ago about governments farming out or rather politicians farming out work to communications agencies, PR firms and the like. Well, that's what he's done with Navigator. It's the same firm that Ottawa's police chief hired just after the Ottawa occupation. It's the same firm that Hockey Canada paid about a million and a half bucks to. I don't have to remind you why there. That's a story that's kind of been flying under the radar last little while, isn't it? Uh, where Hockey Canada is going from there. Maybe Canadians are, are just waiting to see how that board rebuilds itself and where that brand or where that organization goes. I digress. The story today is David Johnson. We'll get into that with Brian Lilly in just a sec. But first, we talk prairie grasslands. They're among the world's most threatened ecosystems, most especially on the prairies here in Canada. But they're also the least protected ecosystem. Why? Does nobody care? It was World Environment Day this week, Canadian Environment Week, in fact. And, and in just a second, we're going to talk to the director of Prairie Grassland Conservation, uh, Jeremy Hogan with the Nature Conservancy of Canada. This episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Danatech. Danatech's been a leader in the safety training space for more than 30 years, and today they're proud to count themselves among the foremost providers of online safety courses. Well, how do they do it? Uh, Danatech blends deep cross-industry expertise with proprietary learning management system technology, you know it is LMS technology, and that makes their courses stand out in the industry while creating an easy, seamless training experience for training managers and learners alike. You can learn more about Danatech, a leader in the safety training space for three decades, by checking out danatech.com. If you hear about 80 plus percent of an ecosystem disappearing, chances are you'd be perceiving red flags all around the story, right? Grasslands are in exactly that situation. You see them across the prairies here in Canada, but also in BC, Ontario, Newfoundland, they probably classify as Canada's most threatened ecosystem. Let's go to the source and, and find out, A, why we've lost 80, 80 plus percent, 82 percent, they say, and B, 
why nobody seems to be doing anything about it except for maybe these guys. The Nature Conservancy of Canada uh, calls Jeremy Hogan as director of Prairie Grassland Conservation. He's kind enough to join us this morning in the midst of Canadian Environment Week. Jeremy, thanks for making time for us. What's on your mind? What's front of mind through Canadian Environment Week? Yeah, thanks for having me today, Ryan. I think um, grasslands are the thing that are on my mind right now. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, they're one of the most endangered ecosystems, not just in Canada, but on the planet. So there used to be about 60 million hectares in Canada. It spanned all the way from the eastern slopes of the Rockies, just west of us, out to Winnipeg. Uh, and then as far north as a little bit higher than Edmonton and Saskatoon. Today, less than 20% of that remains, and it's only about 11 million hectares. A lot of it's fragmented in small parcels here and there, uh, and it's declining more and more every year. So every year we lose 60,000 additional hectares which to put that in perspective, because I know not everybody talks hectares, is about 100,000 CFL football fields annually gone. And that rate has not declined at all. So we're continuing to lose that much and we're running out of time to stop to and protect what's left. What are the biggest threats? Are we, are we talking like suburban development? Uh, is it like wildfire or is that temporary loss? Can can you kind of lay it out for those of us that aren't in the field? No pun Absolutely. intended. So the, the, the biggest the biggest threat by far is a conversion for human use. Um, so most of that is actually crop production. Our, our fairly rich soils in most places, so they make for good cropland. And the economics currently uh, favor breaking the soil and, and planting crops rather than keeping intact grasslands in place. And that's true. Many of the grasslands that remain are actually protected within working ranches. Um, and they're, they're grazed by cattle, but it is more economical to become a, a crop production than a cattle production agricultural outfit these days. Do you think that there's a, I mean, is there a lack of understanding or a lack of appreciation for grasslands? Does the average Canadian, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think I really understand why they're so imperative why they're so important what, what do you see amongst the general public because it seems like they're disappearing when you talk about 82 percent loss i mean it's obviously pretty significant um maybe the average person just doesn't appreciate the, the importance of them uh you know in, in the entire cycle absolutely yeah i think it's a good point uh, I, I think we're hoping to raise that awareness a little bit with this prairie grassland campaign we're launching into but it is um they're they're a magical place first of all i think they're an iconic piece of Canadiana. If you ever drive through the prairies or listen to a Gord Downey song, you know that everybody loves a, a good prairie song. Um, but they're also critically important for us in lots of different ways, for, for humans as well as for animals. So a lot of the water storage and filtration that we have going on before it comes to our taps is done in the grasslands. They have these deep, expansive root networks that when rain falls or after the snow melts at the beginning of the year, rather than just running across dry soil and taking soil with it and causing erosion and sedimentation, it gets sequestered and stored and it prevents floods. It'll be a major uh, nature-based solution moving forward for places like Calgary. Um, it also filters the drinking water we have, so it's significantly cleaner by the time we get to it. Uh, the other big piece, the unsung heroness of it, to use a bad phrase, is it uh, sequesters a, a lot of carbon. So because of those deep root networks, the carbon stores that grasslands pull out of the atmosphere gets stored deep underground. And that's actually a safer, for carbon storage terms, uh, way of keeping it versus something like a, a forest, which, as we've seen this year, you have a, a wildfire blow through and all of that carbon is released in one big swoop. Is it harder 
is it more difficult to advocate for prairie grasslands than it is for like um, um, resident killer whales or like burrowing owls or like animals with like the cutest eyes or like the coolest features? You know what I mean? When you start talking about, like, and you know, no offense to the prairie grasslands that may be listening to this podcast, but but it, it, is it a tougher road to hoe for you to get the public on board to get people to care? Quite frankly. I mean- I, I, so you mentioned burrowing owls. Burrowing owls live in the prairie grasslands. Okay, there we so go. So protecting prairie grasslands is one of the best ways we can protect burrowing owls. Uh, and I think that that linkage of land-based protection is the thing that people need to be aware of. Um, all of these animals that you're describing, swift foxes is another great example. People love swift foxes. They're beautiful animals. Um, things like ferruginous hawk or pronghorn, the fastest mammal in North America. These are all prairie grassland species that are threatened by continual loss. And the best way to protect wildlife is to protect the habitat that they rely on. So many, many species in Alberta are only found in the grasslands. The most species at risk of any ecosystem is the grasslands in Canada. There's millions of, hundreds of millions of migratory birds that fly through every year on their way up to the Arctic, on their way down to South America. Uh, And they stop over in the grasslands as as a, a place to forage and to nest and to breed. And there's been a drastic decline in those numbers. So 300 million birds since 1970, individual population count, have have disappeared from the uh, Canadian prairie grasslands. What's worst case scenario? Like, I mean, what, just to remind people, I mean, these numbers that you're talking about, 272 CFL-sized football fields lost every day? I mean, that's pretty wild. Uh, you know, ten if we don't take it seriously, five, ten years from now, You've mentioned there could be obviously some drainage issues. Flooding might become uh, more of an issue or would become more of an issue. Obviously, the food chain would be significantly disrupted. Am I missing any major points? Uh, No, I I think that covers it. And that's a pretty stark picture, isn't it? I I mean, we rely on so many natural ecosystem services from the wild spaces around us. And grasslands are one of the most significant purveyors of those services. So even when you talk about the, the food basket of Canada, the prairie grasslands, Yes, we need agriculture. It's critically important. Humans are a part of the ecosystem. We need to eat too. There's very efficient ways. One of the most efficient ways of developing food for our population is through agriculture, but it also relies on having native prairie grasslands surrounding it that provide things like pollinators and insectivores, flying birds that come and eat the pest insects and things like that. So without these grasslands available and without those wildlife available, you could see a catastrophic kind of cascade of, of bad news for Canadians uh, and the animals that live on the grasslands as well. Obviously, they would be gone. So you've got groups like the Nature Conservancy of Canada. You've got nonprofits and, and other organizations that do what they can. You know, people can learn more about uh, the Nature Conservancy of Canada's Prairie Grasslands Action Plan on their website, natureconservancy.ca. We'll put it in the show notes for the podcast and on our YouTube episode what role does you know for example government need to play like from municipal to provincial to federal governments um incentives maybe for for landowners uh to do what they can contributing land returning land to its you know let's say natural state so to speak uh for for people maybe to donate land uh to i mean all these types of things um do you think at the three levels of government it's being taken seriously and how much of your efforts are, are aimed at decision makers there? Uh, it definitely needs to be taken seriously. And I think there is a, a growing awareness amongst all levels of government of the importance and the urgency to protect these wild spaces. 
So in December, Canada hosted the, the biodiversity conference, for example, and there were some pretty strong measurable targets set forth in that. Uh, one of them that Canada has committed to is protecting 30% of wild land and water by 2030. Grasslands obviously are only at 18% left in the three prairie provinces. So we need to think about restoration as well as securing and immediate protection for what's there. Um, there are, at, at all three levels of government, I think there are strong signals that conservation is important. Um, you see, like in Alberta, for example, the Alberta Land Trust Grant Program is one of the strongest conservation programs of any province in Canada. Um, and it, it is funding for Land Trust Nature Conservancy of Canada, but others in Alberta as well, to protect wild spaces and help landowners economically uh, make sure that their land is protected. The, the other significant piece for grasslands will be financial tools and other tools that we can use to kind of incentivize landowners that have been doing the right thing and do have intact grassland remaining to keep it that way. So right now, it might make more sense to sell or to convert to crop, but there could be incentivizing programs that reward landowners to continue to steward native habitat. Great stuff, Jeremy. Uh, Want to just like on behalf of uh myself and my children and and maybe one day my children's children thank you and the nature conservancy of canada not just for your efforts in in you know obviously protecting these vital spaces but also being able to can i say casually dumb down the conversation so everyday people like me can understand the importance of this kind of stuff um it's a big week, obviously, for, for you and the group, um, this big effort to protect and restore native prairie grasslands, conserving and restoring half a million hectares, an area six times the size of Calgary, for people to wrap their mind around that. That's a really big deal. Uh, again, they can check out more on the website, natureconservancy.ca. Thanks for making time for us today. And again, thanks for your efforts. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Hope I can uh, get you out on a prairie grassland sometime soon. Yeah, no, I'm like envisioning. I have, uh, you know, I'm a Calgary kid born and raised, so I have, uh, you know, boots that, that sometimes uh, gather a little bit of dust in the basement. <laughs> so I'd love to throw those back on and get out there. We should note, by the way, that, I mean, you do have, uh, I mean, it's a good look for industry to participate, obviously, um, but the support of, of groups like I saw the Canadian Cattlemen Association signing on. And I mean, it's 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 great to see. I think that there there's a, you know, we, we saw this as well. Not to, I don't know if you want to get dragged into the coal mining in the Rockies debate, but uh, we certainly saw, you know, landowners, um, ag producers and, and others, many others uh, saying, hang on a second. I mean, this isn't a, necessarily a political issue. This has got to be more of a public interest issue. And I think it's great to see support ac across those different uh, groups and across different industries. Absolutely. Yeah, the ranching industry is one of our biggest supporters, and they've been stewarding this land for, for many, many years and in many instances do it extremely well great stuff thanks jeremy that's uh jeremy hogan with the nature conservancy of canada it is it's a little tough you know to to advocate for like prairie grasslands because it you, you know if you if you fly a drone through the mountains like you mm -hmm. know our, our features on wednesday with my jasper memories um you know you take a look and you go oh my gosh like somebody coal mining in the rocky mountains <laughs> it's you know you've got these upper alpine lakes and all mm -hmm. that kind of you know bighorn sheep but the prairie grasslands kind of they're like the sleeper yeah you know? i understand yeah you know what i mean 
It's really important, though. I mean, Alberta's this beautiful place. Like, if you live in Edmonton and you don't get out there, but like we do, we go to Jasper, we go mm-hmm. to Banff, but also these grasslands, like, they're super important to the ecosystem, and we should be really proud of them. We should be protecting them at all costs. So. Good stuff. Again, natureconservancy.ca. Brian Lilly coming up in just a little bit. Uh, as we speak, if you're listening to us live on the Mixler live streaming audio app that's presented by our friends at uh, California Closets, of course, or watching on YouTube... The former governor general in front of that parliamentary committee right now. Uh, we'll get into it in just a second. These conversations don't happen without amazing partners like Kubi Renewable Energy. It just made sense to mention our friends at Kubi as we talk about protecting the planet, as we talk about looking forward. You can get detailed information on solar power by checking out their website, kubienergy.ca. And under the blog link, they're a great resource. Uh, to some of the available funds, you know, grants, loans for you to go solar right now, maybe ahead of schedule. The Canadian government's got that $40,000 interest-free loan for homeowners to perform energy efficiency upgrades like installing solar panels. That's the Canada Greener Homes Loan. Coolest part about, well, one of the coolest parts about dealing with Kubi, they'll do all the paperwork for you so you don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff. And they can get up on your roof this spring. They can make it happen. Uh, By the way, as well, Kubi Renewable Energy is hiring. If you'd love to work with them in Alberta, BC, Northwest Territories, and beyond, you can check out the careers link on their website. California Closets, of course, very well known for transforming people's living spaces, uh, ours included. Unbelievable experience dealing with them. Uh, My wife Carrie and I hired California Closets about 10 years ago because we just needed more efficiency. We needed more livability. So we wound up with custom closets and storage solutions that, of course, span across our home. You can do the same to make the most of your space with their custom organizational systems, but in particular, If your garage is an absolute mess right now, rakes and shovels on the ground, you never know what recycling bag you're going to step on. Where is the kid's skateboard? And I need the air pump for the volleyball, but I don't know where it is. California Closets does garages too. Why not make that space work for you? The workhorse of the home, the garage with CaliforniaClosets.ca. All this talk about our animals, those that we share the planet with, our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food want to remind you of the health benefits of going raw with your dogs, yeah, and also cats. Uh, They do it for both, delivering to their clients' doors in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta on a weekly basis. You can shop now on their website, granddog.ca. Make sure you check out their new supplements, including for cats all kinds of stuff what does raw fermented goat milk do for your beloved furry friend learn more online on their website granddog.ca don't forget the promo code real talk knocks 10 percent off your first time order and before we get to brian Lilly, we love these announcements we love letting real talkers know that there are jobs available there are great employers that are looking to add to their talented teams and that includes the team at apex automation you can check out the we are hiring link at apexautomation.ca they're looking for electrical instrumentation computer science 
process and mechanical engineers, as well as electricians and instrument technicians. You're going, whoa, what are they like, building an entire team? Yeah, that's exactly it. They're looking for team members right here in Alberta, in BC, and at their new field office in Houston, Texas. There are a lot of reasons to work for Apex Automation, include group, including group RSP matching, competitive wages, great benefits, wellness incentives, profit sharing, and more. Johnny, they got a cell phone allowance. How Ooh. great is that? You know what I mean? Get the big data plan. When you get your big new job at apexautomation.ca. He's the former governor general uh, for the country and uh, certainly a well-respected Canadian, to say the least. Uh, Dr. David Johnson was tapped on the shoulder by the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to serve as the country's special rapporteur on foreign interference. His job, essentially, to look into whether or not Canada's democracy, including a recent federal election, was interfered with uh, by forces outside of Canadian borders. It's a serious issue. Now, does the average Canadian believe that the last federal election was stolen? Probably not. But if there is foreign interference in Canada's democracy with the average Canadian care, I would say so. The entire thing, though, is being overshadowed by calls for Dr. Johnston to resign. Folks, his critics, perhaps most notably conservative leader Pierre Polyever, pointing out a, a relationship that Johnston's had with the prime minister. You know, looking back to the days when Justin Trudeau was the son of Canada's prime minister, their paths crossing at McGill University and on ski hills. Johnston's described it as their so-called friendship, but that hasn't deterred opposition MPs uh, from calling for his resignation. As a matter of fact, a recent vote in Parliament, 174 to 150 called for exactly that. But Johnston says he's not going anywhere. And today, he's appearing in front of a parliamentary committee. Uh, we're going to talk to Brian Lilly about this in just a second. But to tee it up here, just a short time ago, was opposition leader. This is the leader of Canada's Conservatives, Pierre Poliev, on David Johnston. Uh, David Johnston is hard navigator. What do you think about that? All right, this will have to be the last question. But I think uh, it's another example of how this process uh, is flawed and makes no sense. We shouldn't have to hire a raffateur who is a cottage neighbor, family friend, ski buddy, and a uh, member of the Trudeau Foundation, and then have him try to reverse the reputational damage that that obvious conflict has caused by paying expensive con consultants uh, to, uh, to do damage control. So we think we could skip all this, save all this money, by going straight to a public inquiry, and that's what conservatives ask for. It. It's what I will deliver when I'm prime minister. Thank you very much. Okay, so that's Pierre Poliev, and, and I agree with Pierre Poliev. It's 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 an interesting look. I remember you you know we've introduced you to members of our political group chat on our group chat roundtables before. Well, yesterday the group was buzzing about this. Perhaps it was two days ago, and and one of the participants says, "You see this? Johnston's hired navigator," and the immediate response from a crisis communicator in the chat was. Why? But here's the deal. Not everybody believes that there's a conflict of interest here. Not everybody's sold on the narrative that Johnston and Trudeau couldn't work alongside each other in an arrangement like this. Some folks are pointing to Pierre Poliev's comments on the record 
I mean, these are his own words on Johnston a number of years ago. I think we're dealing with a very credible individual, uh, and I think that uh, that distant history uh, bears little relevance to the fact that he has a very distinguished career. Uh, if we're suggesting just because at some point in history uh, he was appointed by a former conservative prime minister that he should be disqualified from participating in public life, I think that uh, is a little bit extreme. Uh, this is a very qualified individual, and uh, frankly, I haven't heard anybody question his integrity, uh, and I have no reason to do so. Okay, let's okay so there's... Pierre Polyev on the record a number of years ago. No, I'm, I'm not saying that people, including politicians, can't change their mind, but it makes you think, doesn't it? Brian Lilly is a political columnist, podcaster as well for the National Post. Oh, hey, oh. pal. Joining us from Post Media HQ in Toronto. It's nice to see you. How are you wrapping your mind around this whole thing? Well, let's deal with those old comments of Pierre Polyev because the liberals are pushing this hard. Well, he said this about him then. Or, well... Stephen Harper appointed him as governor general, and he had him do other things. There's a world of difference between the two. Uh, Stephen Harper has never described himself as a lifelong friend of David Johnston. Justin Trudeau has. Um, D David Johnston has never spoke effusively about how close his family and the Trudeau family are, um, or, or his family and the Harper family. There was no family or friend connection there. And Harper wasn't appointing him to investigate um, whether Stephen Harper had benefited from election interference. That, that clip that you played was actually Pierre Polyev responding to liberals complaining when Stephen Harper said to David Johnston, can you give us the parameters for a public inquiry? Not can you tell us whether we should have one? Stephen Harper was calling a public inquiry into uh, Brian Mulroney's dealings with Carl Heinz Schreiber in the Airbus affair and said, you come up with the parameters. Liberals complained that, well, you can't do that. Um, Mulroney pointed uh, David Johnston to the National Roundtable on the environment and the economy years ago. So he's got to be disqualified. That was the only connection. There was no connection to Harper. There, Mulroney had appointed him along with you know, 10, 15 other people to this board. Um, so liberals at that point thought that was a disqualification. And that's what Polyev was saying. No, 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 that's not a disqualification. It, it's a valid question to ask. But with David Johnston, you know, I just watched at committee as the conservatives went through and, and read quotes from 2010, uh, multiple quotes from interviews in 2016, in 2017, comments from Johnston and Trudeau describing how close they were. Great dinner companions. We were ski parties together, all of these things. And so that gives the appearance that maybe it's a bit too tight. And, and then what did Johnston do to say, well, I don't have a conflict of interest. He hired retired Supreme Court Justice Frank Iacobucci to examine whether they have a, he was in a conflict. Here's the problem. Frank Iacobucci sounds like a great guy to call for that. He was asked, aren't you old friends, decades long friends with Frank Iacobucci? Yes, we've been friends since we were young law professors at the age of 25. What? <laughs> like, you can't just keep having friends, clear friends of things. There's got to be somebody in this country that if, if you want to go this special rapporteur route, has no connection to either of the main parties, isn't part of the Trudeau Foundation, hasn't you know been on ski buddies or cottage neighbors. That was their description originally. Now Jonathan and Trudeau pretend they don't know each other. It's all far too cozy. 
Um, this is, you know, even Jerry Butts, when the word came out that they'd hired Navigator, even Jerry Butts, the former principal secretary to, to uh, Justin Trudeau, said, well, you've got this Tories law firm, Frank Yacobucci and Jamie Watt from Navigator, all advising David Johnson. This sounds like a Laurentian elite portrait gallery. So all these guys are far too cozy for this to be going on and not undermine the credibility. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got to, I mean, I, I don't know, like to personally, and I'm not saying I'm there. I, I certainly haven't been on the ski slopes and seen the two of them crossing paths. So I don't have the first ed experience there. I'm, I'm somewhat cynical about the, the description of the closeness of their relationship, but I don't have to bite that hook to still note that there are problems with the optics of this entire thing. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there are yeah. varying degrees of outrage here. Um, and for me, even just hiring Navigator is a tough look. Uh, for me, having consensus among opposition parties, like Nick Polyev, I think, has the most to gain here. And Polyev is politicking the hardest on this. But you've also got the block. You've also got the NDP. I mean, the NDP were the one. It's their motion um, all calling for him to resign. His refusal to resign is kind of an interesting one. I mean, I, I've been hearing some pundits say, well, listen, he just, he, he, you know, David Johnson. And these are, you know, one's going to the well for him. Commentators saying, you know, he, he believes in Canada. He's served Canada's entire career. You know, he believes in preserving democracy. He takes this appointment seriously. He's not going to resign. But. I don't know, man. I just you've got 174 votes in Parliament saying that you need to step down, step away from something. I don't know how you don't, to be honest. Neither do I. And look, I, I have great respect for David Johnson. I first met him before he was Governor General, um, before Stephen Harper appointed him to come up with those terms of reference. I met him around '07 or so. Um, and a very distinguished man. I think he was at University of Waterloo then. He'd been a rector at McGill. Uh, you know, he, he'd been at you know, some of the finest law schools in the country, very learned man, and he served his country very well. My first reaction when I heard about him was, well, of course, but then you hear about the, that relationship with Trudeau and you go, oh, this is going to undermine him. He probably should have said, no, he should step away. And then he doesn't. And then he brings out his report that says, well, I've looked into it and I can't tell you why, but we don't need a public inquiry. Even the NDP, as you said, it was their motion. And the straw that broke the camel's back for them is the lead lawyer who's working on all these reports with them is a major liberal donor who the Globe and Mail just reported went to a fundraiser with the prime minister just within the last two years. Um, so all of these tight connections and the NDP says it's too much of an appearance of bias. You've got to go. 174 MPs. That is the will of the House of Commons. And he dismissed it as your opinion. And, and it was just after that we found out that he'd hired Navigator. And my view was, I know people at Navigator. I know some smart people. I want to know who was stupid enough to think that was a good comment for him to put out. Dismissing a vote in the House of Commons, three opposition parties, all united saying the same thing. And you dismiss that as you're welcome to your opinion. No, no, you're you're just crapping on democracy now mr johnson if you're just tuning in uh, live streaming on the mixler audio app we're talking to toronto sun political columnist brian Lilly. i'm not sure if you saw this story here in the hill times uh just out this morning uh this is michael harris the you know the headline slimy assault on david johnson's reputation and character is unforgivable um, he asserts if David Johnson had recommended a public inquiry into alleged Chinese interference in Canadian elections, the same people now slagging him 
would be carrying him on their shoulders. Johnston's only sin is that he didn't give them what they wanted, which is a political club Uh, to bludgeon the government. What do you think? I I don't agree with that. And I've known Michael a long time. We used to work at the same radio station together. Um, He he has um, uh, an unquenchable hatred of whoever's leading the conservative party. uh, And I think that's part of what is driving that column. He... Johnston just should have said no. I, even when I thought that he's got a call for a public inquiry, there's no way he can't. I still thought he was the wrong guy for the job. It undermines his reputation. He had a stellar reputation. He has blown it to pieces with this. Nobody had a bad word to say about David Johnston. Um, and it's not an attack on his character to say he is too close to the guy who, I mean, because think about this. The allegation isn't just that China interfered in the last two elections. The allegation is that China interfered to help Justin Trudeau and the liberals. And I don't believe the election was stolen, but I do believe that there were some ridings that shifted. I can think of uh, Kenny Chu's in uh, in Richmond in the Vancouver area, Bob Soroya in um, uh, in the Markham area outside of Toronto. Uh, things shifted, and it was even the Star had a story about. Um, I don't know the former conservative MP who lost, but his liberal, the guy liberal who replaced him looked into it and said, yeah, I think that something fishy happened in the Chinese Canadian community. I think that they there was voter suppression to stop you uh, from winning. All of these things are happening to help the liberal party. And Justin Trudeau's friend is asked, that's a conflict of interest. You can't do that. That in pointing that out is an attack on just on uh, David Johnston's character. It's a point of fact. There is an issue here that's going to undermine his work, undermine his reputation. It's not slimy. And and for the liberals to to try and whistle past that, to just say, well, the real problem is you won't read, uh, uh, get get the security briefing from uh, the committee. No, the, the real issue is China's interference, and we need to get to the bottom of this. Every party in parliament has called for this, even though all of them will have egg on their face at the end of this. All of them will have something pointing to China or or Chinese diplomats or people who are close to the dictators in Beijing trying to do something to help each of those parties at different times for different reasons. All of them are going to have that egg on their face, but only one party is opposing a public inquiry. That's the Trudeau liberals, and they're appointing their friends to investigate themselves. That's that's untenable. We're talking to Brian Lilly on our live chat on YouTube. It's some interesting comments here. Blaine says, uh, does anybody believe that this is not true of everyone in politics in Ottawa? Who are you going to find that fits the bill of having no connection to anyone? Interesting. Ben says what seems to me like the pendulum has swung from one extreme where like everybody's family and friends got hired uh, now to currently, if it happens, it's automatically seen as skewed or favoritism. Ben says we need to find a healthy middle. I mean, you know, the a lot of people I've seen commentators say that the way that Johnson's getting treated here would dissuade anybody from taking on a role like this moving forward. I mean, can you think of someone that might be an appropriate candidate were he to step down? Well, look, all the opposition leaders, uh, Pierre Polyev, uh, Yves-Francois Blanchet, uh, Jagmeet Singh, they all said before Trudeau appointed Johnston, talk to us. We've got names. We will. Let's find someone we can all agree on. And you could find someone who, yeah, maybe 20 years ago, they volunteered for one of the parties or another, or they donated a bit here or there. But 
you know, they weren't on the Trudeau Foundation members board, which, you know, the, the members part has been downplayed. The members appoint the board of directors at the Trudeau Foundation. So they have immense power. Um, cottage neighbors and, and, and ski friends. Those are Johnston and Trudeau's words, not Pierre Polyev's. You can find somebody that doesn't fit those descriptors in this country. You absolutely can. Um, we are, you know, I had somebody, another journalist say, well, we're a small country. You're going to have somebody um, connected. We're 40 million people, for goodness sakes, 40 million people. There are 12 retired Supreme Court justices. And the one that David Johnson went to to clear him for his conflict of interest is a guy he's been friends with since they were 25. They're both in their 80s. Come on. It, you know, I know that it's a cozy club. I've been witness to this co cozy club for my uh, entire career, Ryan. But you can find people from outside of the inner circle. Hey, Brian, we, we, sort of like in play in all of this, obviously, is the NDP. And, and everybody knows with the, like a working understanding of the, you know, what's sort of keeping the liberals afloat right now and, and, and sort of preventing uh, another federal election is the NDP's agreement to support the liberals. Now, I think everybody also knows that the NDP is not exactly in a perfect position to go to an election right now, financially and otherwise. So, so to a certain degree, uh, and also let's be honest, uh, Jagmeet Singh is perhaps enjoying some influence and in policy and and budgets that that he wouldn't otherwise have. So, where does the NDP go in all this? It, it was the NDP's motion uh, to ask uh, Johnson to step down. How do you see this potentially playing out? Jagmeet Singh has the most muscle to flex right now, mm -hmm. and he's the least likely to want to put on a muscle shirt and and show us that bicep. He he doesn't need to force us to an election right now, okay? But he's taken that card off the table. He could say to Justin Trudeau, "Look, if you don't call a public inquiry, the confidence and supply agreement, the coalition agreement, whatever you want to call it, um, it's off." That wouldn't put us into an election. That would just say to the government, you got to find a new dance partner every time you want to pass a, a piece of legislation. Um, you want to pass a budget, you need to convince one of the opposition parties to support you. You're not going to get it automatically. That would put pressure on them. The NDP could join with the Bloc and the Conservatives to start slow down, uh, slowing down work at committee, saying, if you want stuff to move, give us the public inquiry. There are so many steps before going to an election. He won't flex all any of them and he's taken the big hammer off the table. He says he will not use that. That's foolish. He could have flexed his muscle and tried to force something here. He didn't. Um, I think they are in a bad position, but quite frankly, if you look at the latest Leger poll, nobody's in, in a great spot. They're all effectively where they were at the last election. Give a point or two. Um, you know, the latest Leger poll has the, uh, nationally, they've got the liberals at 33%, the conservatives at 31 and the NDP at 19. Um, that's just slightly off where they finished the last election. You know, and, and so you've got the prairies almost completely going blue. You've got, uh, you know, except Manitoba, that's always a bit of a split. BC's a split still. Atlantic Canada, 50% liberal support, and then a fight in Vancouver, Toronto, and a bit of Quebec. So, you know, would there be a difference if we went to an election? Probably not right now. Um, but, you know, Justin Trudeau would feel pressure if Jagmeet Singh still left that uh, tool in his toolkit. If he was still willing to say, I might go to an election, but here's what I want from you. 
you know, he's not even getting a lot out of this coalition. The dental plan that he he promised, he promised the national dental care plan. What did we get? $600 checks. Now, if you're getting the check and it's helping you put your kids to the dentist, that's great. But it's nowhere near what Jagmeet Singh promised. It's nowhere near what he said he would deliver through this coalition. The liberals are treating him badly, and he is uh, like the, the abusive partner in a bad relationship. He's taking it. Do you think that that uh, you'd have all party support for a national dental plan? Do you think that that's something that the liberals could fully fund? I mean, I guess fully fund is a bit of a loaded statement here. What does that mean? The provinces would obviously distribute the funds. But is that something you could see the conservatives supporting? Uh, no, because like the block that the conservatives in the block don't agree on much uh, mm-hmm. because the block, even though it started as, you know, 30 odd years ago as a, a coalition of li- mostly liberal and conservative MPs who were dedicated to to Quebec freedom. Um, the, the thing that the block and the conservatives agree on is provincial jurisdiction, and this is provincial jurisdiction. So they wouldn't agree on that. The block would say absolutely not. The conservatives might you know, play around the edges and, and change things. But um, the, the bloc would never agree to this. And, and the strange thing is the NDP, um, you know, if Quebec did go ahead with this or some other provinces, what the NDP wants is they want to make um, dentists effectively uh, public servants. They don't want private dental clinics looking after your teeth. Well, then you've got to um, buy out all these dentist offices that are ac- across the country. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, dentists and chiropractors are, are among those, obviously. Well, and I guess it's it's probably different. I don't, I, I couldn't even tell you what the structures like where you are in Ontario, or or but but I know here certainly they operate uh, in more of a private context, which which also yeah. provides them some allowances. By the way, things that maybe most people don't notice, they can uh, they can advertise, they can do other things that other physicians can't. But now you're right. I th- I think it'd be like um, you know uh, administratively it it could be a, a huge. Uh, hill to climb let me make a comment here kathy is watching us live on youtube she talks about the next election she says uh if the liberals want to have a chance in the next election i think they need justin trudeau to step down says there have been many missteps uh over the past few years and it has absolutely affected their chances i personally think that justin trudeau would really love to beat Pierre Polyev in an election, and we know that Pierre Polyev would love to beat Justin Trudeau. Um, how do you see that playing out? You think Trudeau stays on for one more election? Uh, w- w- the commenter's name was Kathy, was yeah. it? Yeah. I think Kathy's right. The liberals will be in trouble. Like they, They've been stuck at this 30, 33, in that range. They've gone down as low as 27 in some polls, never really much above 33 for the last while. I think because, um, you know, and, and to win a majority, you need 37 and up. I think he got just around 39 his first election. People, you know, they were fascinated by him. They're not fascinated by him anymore. He's got his core support and he's he, he has trouble winning elsewhere. I mean, he, he snuck through the last election, scaring suburban women in, in Toronto and Vancouver about two things, gun control and COVID. And if you elect those conservatives, everyone's going to have a gun and uh, you're all going to die of covid because look at alberta because you guys at the time of the election were going through a big wave and he campaigned against alberta in in toronto and vancouver that's how he got through with the smallest of uh, of um of margin of victory so you know i don't see him taking the liberal party back to where they were 
And I was out with a bunch of politicos last night at uh, the Jays game, which was a disaster. If you're a baseball fan, oh, man. you know what I'm talking what about. What are they going to Manoa, like, what wow. the hell is going on? Yanked in the first inning? Like, they're talking about sending him down. Yeah, It, it was 6 nothing before the end of the first. So Ugh. that was a bit of a disaster. A bunch of you know politicos, and we're talking. We start talking more as the game gets worse for the Jays, and we're watching the game less. But we were talking about that. Does somebody replace... Justin Trudeau and, you know, pretty smart guy said, if it's somebody like Christia Freeland, I'm not sure that it helps because she's so tight with Justin Trudeau. I think that if they went to a more centrist blue liberal like uh, Francois Philippe Champagne, or as I call him, Frankie Bubbles, uh, he might be able to bring the party back. You know, Trudeau's been trying to do what some other liberal leaders like Kathleen Wynne here in Ontario did, try and make the liberals more like the NDP trying to outflank them, steal their votes. Uh, Champagne would probably bring them back more to the center. Somebody that's not so tightly tied to Trudeau and his agenda might be able to bring the party back. Um, But right now, voters aren't enamored with any of them. They are in their different respective pockets. But nationally, nobody has what is needed to form that strong national stable insert party name here majority government yeah i yeah i just i don't know as as shallow as this sounds um i i also would argue that it's a valid point i think that that this next election i mean yes platforms matter obviously policy matters but like I think that this election will be one with charisma. And I think that Pierre Polyev has it in spades. And I think that you need somebody like, I don't know. I just think of it. I don't mean to take swipes at people, but like, I think of like a Stefan Dion that, that may have on paper uh, had, or, or Michael Ignatieff like had, you know, reasons why they might be a good liberal leader, but they just didn't have that. I don't know that pizzazz. Like they didn't have yeah. what it took well, to it, captivate people. Yeah. And I knew both of those guys before they were liberal leaders covering them. And you're like, yeah, you're a really smart guy. You're, you are not going to do it. Michael Ignatiev could have been yeah, if he had yeah. been the guy he used to be on TV. Look, I, my take on Pierre Polyev is if smiling, happy, affable Pierre shows up, he has a good shot at winning. Yeah. If he comes across as chippy or angry, which is how the liberals like to portray him, he'll lose because women won't vote for that. Uh, the conservatives have, you know, the liberals, I said, have an advantage with women. The conservatives have an advantage with men right now. You know, Justin Trudeau has a deficit with men. So if Pierre Polyev has to show to suburban moms, this is the main swing vote group he needs to win, suburban moms, why would he being in power be better for their family than the guy that's in there now? That's what he has to do. It, 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 it sounds simple, but it ain't that easy when you're going across the country. Uh, but those are the votes he needs. And he doesn't need them in Calgary or Edmonton. He doesn't need them in Regina or Saskatoon. But, he, you know, maybe in Winnipeg, in Vancouver, in Victoria, in London, Ontario, in, uh, you know, hopefully they can pull some in Atlantic Canada. Um, but it's, you know, it, that that's the battleground. And, and that's where you're going to see both leaders going. And, and you're right. Trudeau wants to beat Pierre Polyev. He he was looking bored with his job for a while. A lot of people thinking he might want to leave. He's got a spring in his step. He is ready for the fight. Trudeau loves a good fight. And so does Polyev. And they want to go at each other. So I don't see there being a liberal leadership change before the next election. And, and of course, Given what happens in the next election, either party could be changing. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I totally agree with you there. And uh, yeah, yeah, you, th- you think of Trudeau. I mean, even just 
even if it's just an ego thing, uh, to beat Harper, O'Toole, Shear, and Poliev, uh, I think would be something that Trudeau might like to sort of add to his CV, so to speak. Brian, we've, we're already over the time that we asked you for. Do you have five more minutes? I respect that you got other things to do. Uh, do you have a couple yeah, more? I can, I can stay for a couple minutes, and then i got to run to another radio. Okay, re- yeah, good stuff. Uh, we won't take you too long then. Uh, I was going to ask if you thought Pierre Poliev was out of line uh, with his comment. You know the exactly one I'm talking about. We talked about it on our Friday roundtable. If people want to get into it, essentially the allegation. Um, I, I believe that it's been disproven. I don't want to know what you believe, but uh, the headmaster of a school Trudeau was formerly at says there's no truth uh, to the rumors that he left because of an inappropriate relationship with a minor, a student at that school. Pierre Poliev clearly referenced it without saying it. Uh, yeah. in Parliament last week. Uh, to, 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 it got raucous sort of woo from his uh, gallery, you know, from the fellow conservatives there. But a lot of people said bigger picture. That's not worth it. That's not the type of thing that the average Canadian is going to jive with. Uh, does he hurt the conservatives' chances with performances like that? I think people that know what he's talking about get excited one way or another. They either, you know, think he's the worst person on earth for raising it or he's the best person. Definitely riles up his base, but he doesn't have to rile up his base. He has to rile up swing voters that I was just talking about. So, you know, I'm I'm not sure that uh, uh, Jane in Brampton is overly worried about that. I don't know if uh, she knows about it and that's who he's got to win. So, you know, I'm not sure. As far as the liberals clutching at pearls over this, you know, they need to listen to themselves in the House of Commons. They need to listen to the allegations that they make The you know, claims that they affiliated Melissa Lansman, a Jewish woman, conservative deputy leader with Nazis and people who stand with swastikas. They make allegations like that on a regular basis. Um, there's a rule in Parliament that um, uh, you're not allowed to wear anything with a, a logo, especially a, um, a political statement on it of any kind. And there is very good reason that that's there. Bardish Chagger came in last week and she was wearing a, just a T-shirt into the chamber. And it was for Easter Seals. And it was talking about um, equality and inclusivity. Well, somebody it was a conservative MP objected and said uh, she's not following the rules. And and a block MP stood up and said, well, can I wear a T-shirt that says Viva Quebec Libre? That's exactly why these things are not allowed, so that you're not wearing those slogans. And the speaker told her, look, you can finish what you're saying, but you can't wear these and you know it. She automatically stands up just after the conservative MP acting as speaker said, I'll let you finish and says, well, of course, the conservatives don't believe in equality. Everybody supports Easter seals, but you know the rules. You can't wear a political statement into the House. So the, the liberals make these claims all the time. They make these sideswipes. And then if they get one back, they go, oh, 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 this is horrible. How dare you? No, it, like both of you need to grow up, but stop playing the victim all the time when you give as good as you get, if not more. Brian, we were going to ask you about Paul Bernardo. We were going to ask you about the results of the Alberta election, but I got to respect uh, other radio stations and their schedules. I got to respect your availability so you and I can take that stuff on in a future appearance. Uh, really res- uh, appreciate your time. And thanks for joining us from Toronto Sun headquarters. Keep up the work on the podcast as well. I've been enjoying it. All right. Thank you very much, Ryan. Yeah, you got it. That's Brian Lilly, his podcast he does for the National Post. Uh, It's called Full Comment, and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. (sighs) That Jays game. (laughs) 
You know, I don't even know what to say oh about the Jays. God. Manoa is supposed to. I know everyone's going to be like, "Are you guys seriously going to talk fucking baseball after everything?" Brian, we can get into the other stuff in just a second. And pumping him up. I mean, the promos ahead of this season were He's just supposed to be Manoa, Manoa. Yeah. And I'm watching last night, and I get it. Like, you got to pull him like six runs in the first. But I would have liked to see like drag it out a little, like because you're going to go through those games in a season. Baseball is a long season, right? Um, I would have liked to see him stay till like the third inning, maybe. But uh, yeah, I mean, Houston Astros, arguably like top five, probably like number three or four baseball team right now. But the Jays as well, they ahead of this season, people were talking like they're in the top five with their roster and everything. But just watching that game, I don't think I've ever been, you know, when you watch something or you see a video or you see something happen and you feel embarrassed for the person you're watching, my emotions were just I was just like watching his face and I was just like I I don't I don't even want to be inside this guy's head right now. It just looks so draining. And I went on Twitter. No one's watching the playoffs, the NHL. Everyone was watching this Jays game. Just well, especially because like, the, the, the Stanley Cup final games have just been blowouts. It's, it's just, just boring, Vegas boring. having their way with Florida, which boring, yeah. I don't know if anybody expected that. And can we talk about that, too? What's with, like, is this now the second team in a row that's going to win the Stanley Cup that's like $10 million over the salary cap oh. this loophole that needs to be closed anyways Does it sports are bothering closed, me Does sports it are bothering me uh real talks official uh, sports correspondent john <laughs> no, Hicks not here. at all do you but... have like we should have full disclosure here we're talking about integrity mm-hmm. we're talking about nepotism and relationships and influencing public opinion mm. uh, in the context of the special rapporteur on foreign interference john do you have a wager on the outcome of the stanley cup final in any oh, way yeah. shape I, or form it's it's over it's over it's you, vegas vegas and i would think five you Maybe think? they might even sweep them. It's just, yeah, I think uh, I, I think Vegas is just too good, and they've got they're ten million over the cap with their roster. Yeah, I don't but know it how this in happens. Playoffs. Tampa did it with how Kucherov. It happens. Yeah, uh, regarding our conversations with. Uh, I'm not blowing you off, by the way. I'm no. just saying, you know, maybe hockey There's has something. To talk like, maybe hockey has something like the NBA, where you just pay a luxury tax. You can go over the cap, and then you just pay the luxury. NBA tax. finals as well. It's, Super boring this year. It's working like, for them. It's all, yeah, 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 it's all. Yeah. Um, hey, LeBron might go to Dallas. They say. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. Uh, Graham on our live chat. Uh, always great to hear from you. Thanks. The most engaged talk audience in Canada, without a doubt. Uh, Graham says, I have no clue where th- these comments about dentists are coming from. They would treat dentists like GPs, like family docs, general practitioners. Uh, their private practices, and then they bill the government. True, Graham, but uh, keep in mind as well, like GPs are prescribed their prices, right? Like a, a GP, I used to do billing actually for my dad who practiced medicine for more than 40 years. Uh, so I have, you know, firsthand experience in this. There's billing codes that in our home province, the Alberta Health Services lays out. And, you know, a doctor is paid a certain amount for, you know, a, a consult, like a 15 to 20 minute appointment. They're paid another or, you know, they add another charge or they have another billing category for an annual physical because it takes a little bit more time. Um, if they do any sort of specific tests, obviously they bill for that. Whereas dentists or chiropractors can set their rates. Right. If, if there's like, you know, 10 dentist offices in a row and, and a dentist is just starting out, then they might charge a little less. If a dentist has been in the business for 30 years, has a pristine reputation, everybody wants to be there. And and I don't know, they give away the best free toothbrushes, then, then <laughs> maybe they charge a little bit more. 
and that wouldn't be the case anymore. So I would imagine, um, and, and if there's anybody here from like the, the Alberta Dental Association or the Canadian Association of Chiropractors or whatever, they're, I can't remember the, the name of the group, um, you, you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on this. Talk at ryanjesperson.com. But I would imagine that you would have pushback from those groups. I mean, I, I bet you that GPs, I bet you that medical doctors uh, would love to charge what they wanted uh, because I think if the average Canadian actually really understood everybody talks about you know the elites and doctors and here i am on my soapbox and as i've just disclosed son of a physician so take it for what it's worth Uh, but doctors are not paid as well as you think they're paid like in this day and age a doctor makes approximately i haven't seen the exact number adjusted for inflation but approximately 35 bucks for your annual physical 35 bucks And out of that, they cover their office costs. They pay their nurses and their staff. They pay their overhead. They cover everything else. They pay their corporate taxes. They pay their personal income tax. And and they're left with what's left. And and nobody's sitting here saying that Canadian doctors are uh, in the the bread line or that Canadian doctors are barely able to put food on the table. And I, I know that all of you are breaking out the world's smallest violin as Jesperson goes on about how doctors are underpaid. Uh, But most healthcare professionals are underpaid. Maybe not some of you surgeons, but but the rest, <laughs> I, let's be honest. I mean, there's surgeons that are making two million bucks a year and good for them. I don't want someone cracking open my skull and removing a brain tumor that like barely made it through I university. I was just going to say that if you're like, going to pay anyone, pay the brain surgeons. If you're doing heart transplants, you should make a million and a half bucks sure. a year. You sure. should. Uh, you should make as much as the fourth liner on the Calgary Flames. But at the same time, you know, these professionals especially those that are going through school for 12 or 14 years aren't making what i think that they should make especially when we recognize how competitive the global hiring markets are Mm -hmm. how doctors and nurses and other specialists are being actively recruited all the time Mm -hmm. to leave for greener pastures including better pay yep Uh, so i think it's something that we need to talk about Uh, but i appreciate your point graham and and i appreciate you uh checking in on that a lot of you are cynical on whether or not any party is going to be able to form a majority government next election. I'd be I'd be curious to see how that's going to break down, but I don't think that we're going to see that anytime soon. I don't know that any party right now wants an election. If there is a party that wants an election right now, it's the conservatives. Uh, Polyev's still got that kind of honeymoon phase type energy. You can just feel it. Like he hasn't royally fucked up yet, although I think that that comment in Parliament last week was a dangerous one. You know, there's protections too. But but, but it just works finished, to I his base. Was, he, it has worked to his base. Yeah, You're right. Just, he's but feeding like, him. You can say things in Parliament and be protected. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to get into it. But, mm. but the, the general understanding is that you can say things in the House that you can't say on the street, mm-hmm. that you could be sued for libel on the street. You can say it in the House. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are saying, let's see if Polyev will repeat that allegation or will allude to that. What was described by a lot of people as a conspiracy theory. Check out our Friday roundtable yeah. with the bad and bitchy podcast host, Erica Ifill, Kristen Rayworth. Amazing. But will he go to the wall again for it? And I don't, I don't probably think he will. He, we, the shot was fired. It landed. We talked about this. Like his brain fires like a starburst, right? I think he just he 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 felt the shot. He he came back with the quick witty answer. I don't think he'll bring it up again. But when you're talking about yeah, it, when they're in there arguing, I think it's funny how you can't call each other liars. Like I've seen people kicked out mm. over debates for saying you're a liar and stuff like that. But then you can go ahead and and lie like that. It just, well, it I also think sense. that it's like it, it's like in any sport, like. If you're going to take a red card in soccer 
or if you're going to take a, like a 10 yard penalty in football, if you're going to take a major penalty, make it a, a good miscon- one, make it a good one, <laughs> make sure it lands, you know? Yeah. And so we see it there. Talk at RyanJesperson.com is where you can send us your feedback, including trash talk. Uh, in just a second, by the way, I want to ask Johnny if he's going to pony up 4700 bucks for something. Oh, but, we're first, talk. Yeah. but first, you know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about. $3,500 was trending on Twitter yesterday. Oh, That's man. USD. So we'll talk Canadian dollars in just a second. But you know trash talk, your chance to blow off a little steam, to vent, to have thousands of people hear what needs to be said. It's our Friday tradition here on Real Talk, and it's presented by the team at Local Environmental Services. You know, some people say that it's only garbage, but not to them. They believe that communities deserve better, better service, better prices, and more support for local causes. Local Environmental Services is your full-service environmental solutions partner. So whether you're a small or big business owner, maybe you work for a municipality in Alberta or Saskatchewan, you can request a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. Chances are you'll be paying less when you take your business to local environmental services. You know, we're so glad that we took our business, the business of building this studio in this historic Mercer warehouse to the team at Complete Care Restoration. There are a lot of factors at play in building this space out. Not every line is straight in a building with heritage this rich. And, and yeah, there was some water dripping down in spots and we can't have that falling on our cameras The team at Complete Care Restoration came in and watching them suss out the game plan was a thing to watch. Their professionalism was second to none. And we know that there's a lot of, unfortunately, Canadians right now that are coming up with a game plan to recover from fire damage. Unfortunately, it could be flood damage as well. Some of those spring runoff situations. Maybe it's mold and asbestos removal that you're just discovering. This is going to be the next step of your home renovation project. Don't go with an unqualified or untrustworthy crew. Trust Complete Care Restoration. You can find them under the Sponsors tab on our website. If your project this summer is more in an outdoor space like us, like our family, I recommend that you talk to Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. They're bringing outdoor spaces to life this summer in the same way they have for more than 20 years, earning the referrals and, more importantly, I think, the return business of their customers that have asked for projects from modern to traditional, everything in between. Eden Landscaping's projects all have one thing in common. That's happy clients. You can check out their portfolio online at landscapeedmonton.ca. Yesterday, Apple CEO Tim Cook. By the way, I just I was reading about Tim Cook yesterday. You know that that guy's net worth is two billion dollars yeah the he's former, got a couple shekels. former coo of <laughs> apple of course now it's ceo at least for the for the short foreseeable future until he moves on rolling out the apple vision Ooh. pro yesterday these uh, utilize eyesight technology this is uh, i mean wh- how do you describe these for people listening on the podcast they're they like, huge like snowboard goggles snowboard goggles i mean exactly ridiculous i uh, I don't get this. What's so ridiculous about that? I mean, yeah, amazing. You watch it. You're, you, you know, you can, uh, you can cook your kids' breakfast while you're doing your emails and texting and uh, putting together your presentation for work. Uh, but I just, I don't see myself or anyone else wearing these things. Like they've got someone on a plane. Uh, wearing these goggles on their head, like $4,000 goggles. I mean, I thought 
when we got into this realm, like remember the Google Glass? I'll show Google Glass here. This is Google Glass. Okay, and this yeah, was yeah. like three years ago. These are like, they basically look like eyeglasses, yeah. except for on the corner of the frame. There's Same thing. You can go on email. You can answer texts. You can, you can see things on your phone, like uh, notifications from Twitter, Instagram, etc. I thought this is where we were going. Small smaller now this is like these are snowboard go these things are enormous i would never wear these things in public i would never buy them i want the small i want a microchip that you can put on the corner of your glasses or whatever or 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 eventually i don't i'm not saying now but an implant in your eye like this just seems like and i love apple you know i'm an apple guy i'm all about it i feel like they missed the mark on this it's one. apple's first spatial computer and it and it uses this eyesight tech which um the eyesight technology they're saying is a, is a big step forward mm -hmm. with the vision pro because it's not they're not like tinted glass so as a human approaches you so you could be like you could be laying on the beach working and it would sure. be as though you have you know four monitors in front of you uh you could be in the kitchen like you said cooking dinner but mm -hmm. as soon as somebody walks in front of you uh they, they go almost opaque so mm -hmm. the people can see your eyes so you can see, and so you can see them mm -hmm. and apple's saying being able to see somebody's eyes is a huge like a has a huge subconscious impact on of us um i do think it's kind of funny yesterday thirty five hundred dollars was trending on twitter because a lot of that's u.s dollars about forty seven hundred canadian uh and people are saying i'm not paying that i'm not paying what it costs for a, you know to take my family to mexico to get this but i was kind of laughing too i think the only reason that people are pushing nobody pushes back on forty seven hundred for other tech like you hear people yeah. saying, well, hey, what'd you pay for the like, you know, the what is it? Six K projector sure. on your roof or what'd you pay for that? You know, 100 inch TV screen. Mm -hmm. Someone goes four grand. You go. Yep. Oh, yeah. Sounds about right. Or what'd you pay for your supercomputer? Sure. Yeah, it was like four grand. But these all of a sudden, because you wear it, you mm -hmm. wear them. Uh, anybody that doesn't own a Breitling or a Rolex watch is going, why the hell would you ever pay 4700 for something you wear? Yeah, and I was on Twitter watching all the comments. I think it's this specific tech, too, because obviously they're, they're as well going to be used as VR goggles. And VR is going to be, in the next five years, going to be huge. The metaverse, people you know, going on vacations inside their goggles, sitting on their couch at home because they can't afford it. I get it. That's where it's going. But... You could buy eight pairs of VR goggles, like top of the line right now, for the same price as these. So I, I don't know. With Apple, and I know with Apple, especially when it comes out, everything's overpriced. Wait two years, it's going to come down in price. But I just, I just feel like they missed the mark with this. Unless you could wear this and go snowboarding too, because they do look like they have a lot of protection. They're just, they're huge, Ryan. The thing they're is, enormous. You, you probably could. You probably could snowboard in them, mm -hmm. but you could also like watch a snowboarding movie while you're on the chairlift. Yeah. Oh, man. The <laughs> options are I endless. I do like the TV watching aspect to it. I can see like you can make the screen as big as you want. You could just. So I get it. If you instead of spending three grand on an amazing TV, you buy these and yeah. you can watch TV anywhere. That one aspect of it, I get. But for me, I, I thought. As, especially with the Google Glass, I'll say it again. I thought this was where we were going. Smaller, little tech, convenient, not in the way of your eyes, but uh, I, I can tell we'll probably have a pair of these goggles in the studio in about a month. Yeah, MS 2020. <laughs> They'll be available in 2024, by the way, they say. <laughs> MS 2020 says no thanks. Uh, it's an Apple product. Ooh, says they'll probably have 2.0 ready to come out in like seven months. Justin says, I think it's going to be bigger than Johnny's giving it credit for, but I do agree we probably won't see many in public. Uh, I will say this, like, like you alluded to, even just like public safety, um, rocking a pair of $4,700... <laughs> 
goggles. I saw someone. It just feels like what's like what's going to stop someone from just like it's like the old school purse snatcher that would like run and then just woof and then be gone. Like forty seven hundred bucks. Yeah, I saw someone post a meme and they're like, "My first day with the Apple Pro Vision," and it's literally like a guy with snowboard goggles on running in front and getting dinged by a bus. (laughs) (laughs) Just. Oh, you can let us know what you think on this. I mean, I I think it's going to be I I I don't know why I don't I I don't want to say that I blindly trust Apple, but I I do think that they 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 don't reflect where tech trends are. They That's dictate what I'm yeah. where tech trends are. But I'm, I I don't know. I'm hit or miss. I love my iPhone. I got the 13 Pro Max, so I'm it's aged out, it's aged out a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's still a great phone. Uh, but at the same time, I look at people with Apple watches, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sold on all of it, you know. I I'm mean, kind of a middle of the road consumer. Just, even getting robbed, like you're gonna wear these on the bus or like on your way to work or like anywhere other than your home, and and have fear of being, you know, mugged for a four thousand dollar device. Yeah. you're wearing on your head. It's just I don't know. It's it's. I, I think they missed the mark. I'm just going to, I'm sticking with that, but we'll see in a year. Time will tell. I'll make a note in my calendar. We'll revisit this conversation mm-hmm. a year from today and we'll see where it all is. Uh, we have an announcement about tomorrow's show coming up in uh, just a quick second. But first, we wanted to remind you that our friends at Friesen Brothers are celebrating Pork Month the entire month of June. Yeah, that's right. And you can celebrate as well as we head into barbecue season. Head into. We're already there. We've had the barbecue going several times already. Johnny, just the other day olive oil brushed zucchini uh, we, we sliced them lengthwise language. little cracked pepper little sea salt nothing like it uh, Friesen Brothers is proud to sell only the finest carefully crafted fresh Alberta pork at all 16 of their stores all of the cuts prepared by their skilled butchers with the utmost expertise from juicy pork chops to succulent ribs crispy bacon even four unique flavors of in-store made sausage that's Ivan's sausage the best they've got you covered for your grilling adventures this barbecue season so visit your local Friesen Brothers today and while you're scrolling Instagram, swing on by the account. Uh, our friends at Dairy Queen Baseline, this is the thing. I mean, sometimes in the middle of summer, it just hits you, doesn't it? That that need, that calling to enjoy a Dairy Queen treat. You know what I'm talking about. At the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton or Sherwood Park, you can check out their sweet summer sips collection. That includes three different beverages with a variety of delicious flavors. There's the new Summertime Sunset Twisty Misty Slush. Most people don't know this, actually. Twisty Misty, Johnny's nickname in high school. Yeah. They've also got the Caramel (laughs) Mocha Chip Shake and the fan favorite, the Frozen Hot Chocolate. I haven't tried that yet. That's going to be my treat next time I visit a Dairy Queen at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, or Baseline Road. Yeah, and add a little uh, Three Olives vodka to that summertime sunset. Johnny, we're not allowed to officially. (laughs) Our friends at Dairy Queen do not support that. Well, maybe they do, but not officially. Not officially. This is just extended comment (laughs) after the fact. If you're going to be out with your friends at a safe location. No, we can't say it. We can only allude to it. Hey, a quick note about tomorrow's show. If you follow us, uh, if you subscribe to our weekly email, and it's easy to do, you just go to our website, ryanjesperson.com. You scroll to the bottom. You sign up. It's free, obviously. And every Monday morning as you start your week, uh, you're going to have kind of a rundown of what's coming up on the show, interviews to look forward to, as well as some special announcements and perks. And, of course, a review of some of our best content, some of our favorite episodes from the week that was. If you subscribe, you saw our announcement that Premier 
Danielle Smith will be joining us in studio this week. It was supposed to be tomorrow, but Premier's office has let us know that they've got an emergency wildfire meeting, which makes sense. And that's obviously top priority. So we're moving that interview to Thursday morning. We'll have author Irshad Manji joining me in studio. She's going to talk about how we can move from polarization to collaboration. That'll be right out of the gates live at 830 Mountain Time. And then Premier Smith will join us here in the studio at 9 o'clock Mountain Time. You can watch that live on YouTube. Of course, you can stream it live on the Mixler live streaming audio app presented by California Closets or catch it later wherever you get your podcasts. So what's our plan for tomorrow? Well, the recounts uh, are complete. And the NDP managed to hang on to those seats, those tight ridings in Calgary, Acadia. That was Tyler Shandro defeated by Diana Batten. And then we also had Nagwan Algonid unseating Whitney Isik in Calgary, Glenmore. Remember Dave Cornwaye talked to us about that ahead of the election. That was on last Monday's Real Talk. So these are two big ridings that the NDP now holds in Calgary. We're going to talk to the campaign manager that was running both those shows. She'll be joining us out of the gates coming up on Wednesday's Real Talk. In the meantime, we want to hear from you, the stories that matter to you, the issues that are resonating with you. You, the Real Talkers, play a huge role in dictating the editorial content of this show. We want to make sure that we're answering the bell and keeping you the most engaged audience. Last call for our Real Talk Golf Classic. That's coming up Thursday, June 22nd at the Ranch Golf and Country Club. We've got a few foursomes left. We want to sell this thing out in support of the Real Talk Julie Rohr Scholarship. It's a 2 o'clock tea time, which means you can still show up for the morning at work, but we do recommend taking the Friday off. we got big plans <laughs> for the Real Talk Golf Classic. That's June 22nd. Details at ryanjesperson.com. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.